Hi, everyone. This is Vince from the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I just wanted to preface this episode by saying that this episode is very heavy in visuals. And I suggest going to our YouTube channel and searching for Encounter Mercy Lent Week 5. And this episode should come up in video form. In this video, Father Andy Boyd is going to go over his trip to Israel. And there's a presentation that he puts on with a lot of pictures. You can still get something out of it if you don't have those pictures in front of you. But in case you wanted to check it out on our YouTube channel, head on over to YouTube and just search Encounter Mercy and you should be able to find it. Enjoy. Welcome to the Encounter Mercy Podcast. I'm Jesse. <laughs> you said to do it well. I did. I threw my radio voice on and everything. Oh, you did. I have the wonderful Father Andy. Oh, it's getting and deep in here. And Vince, I'm the producer. <laughs> wow, is it deep this in here. This is why you don't want me opening. No, that's it. Every time. No, you have to do it every single time from now on. It's got to be just like that. Well, Next time I won't cut it off. This is, this is it. This one Holy Week I'm opening and this is it. I don't believe that. <laughs> well, happy Holy Week. We're happy that you're with us, even though it's Holy Week and you shouldn't be on social media maybe. Anyhow, no, but we're happy you're here. Um, the whole concept of Holy Week is very special to Catholics. We have We enter into this preparatory time and... We prepare for Easter, but before the resurrection, must the cross must come. And our cross today is Father Andy. Yes, uh, it's a very good cross. I love that segue. That is so much better. That was mine. That was excellent. That was excellent. Yes, the cross that we're going to experience today is my two trips to Israel. So um, if you remember last year, if you caught it, I did a live stream for my parish uh, where I did a um, presentation on the pictures that I went to Israel. Um, uh, Father Joe Patron was a seminarian at the time when I went for my second time. We went the year of 2020. Wow, right we were before. There, yeah, we were there in March, like the March 1st area of 2020. And what happened was everywhere we went in Israel, the next day it closed down for eight months. So when we went to Bethlehem and we got to see Bethlehem, the next day, it closed down and didn't open up to travelers for eight months. Wow. So it was really, it was kind of creepy, but really kind of cool in a way. So it was fascinating, just a lovely trip. And so we'll talk a little bit about that, but we, I want to incorporate that into our Holy Week preparation. So that's, I think that's awesome. I, I've always wanted to go to Jerusalem. Uh, Vince, have you ever been across the pond? No, <laughs> I've been to Canada. That's it. <laughs> and that was just a wee little boy. <laughs> <laughs> so we're here. And I'm excited to hear about your your pilgrimage, and I mean that's something I want to do someday. I really, well, we're gonna go, and okay. we'll make it. We'll do it. We'll, and hopefully we can make it a thing where the podcast and Vince can be dragged along too. So it'll be the yeah the Encounter Mercy pilgrimage. Everyone oh can sign up. I would love it. We'll charge ten thousand dollars a ticket. We'll pocket most all the profits. Yeah. Okay. Time. All right. Sounds like a plan to me. Works. Oh. Oh, that's not uh, how that works. Oh, I thought that's how that I works. guess. I guess I can't. I am a priest, aren't I? <laughs> anyway. All right. So. When we are talking about Holy Week, um, we're going to get into two specific parts of it. Mm -hmm. uh, the understanding of Holy Week begins with our celebration of Palm Sunday, mm -hmm. which is actually not called Palm Sunday anymore. It's called the Passion of the Lord Sunday. Mm -hmm. 
we have the entrance with the palms. Mm -hmm. So we talk about in that experience, um, the entrance uh, of Jesus coming from uh, the north, coming back into Jerusalem as he's riding on the donkey and everybody's saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And they're putting down the palms on the ground and he walks back in. And as he's walking in, he's walking from the east, or from the west, excuse me, going eastward. Rephrase, he's walking from the east going westward. I was uh, got myself turned around there for a second. I do that pretty well. Uh, point is, is as he's walking towards the west, he's at the eastern gate. That's what I wanted to talk about because he walks through the eastern gate. And it says that the Messiah will walk through the Eastern Gate, hmm. will come through the Eastern Gate into the temple area. And so we have this experience of Palm Sunday where we read the Passion of the Lord uh, from the three uh, Synoptic Gospels. Each year, of course, we read one of the different Synoptic Gospels, Passions. But then when we get into later in the week, we'll hear about the fourth Passion talk as well. Other things that happen during Holy Week that are of notable value is the Chrism Mass, right? We've probably talked about this before in the past, but the Chrism Mass, such a beautiful, beautiful Mass and tradition. It's the time that our bishops uh, will celebrate a Mass with their priests, where the bishop will, uh, will consecrate the oils that we use to anoint. We have the oil of the catechumens, the oil of salvation. It's the oil that we use as we anoint uh, people who are coming into the faith, coming into the church. We have the oil of the sick, the infirmarium, which is what we use to anoint people as they are sick, going in for surgery or and even dying. And we have the oil of chrism, the chrism, which of course I think we all enjoy the smell of very much. It's such a beautiful, <clears throat> excuse me, beautiful perfume. And that wonderful perfume smell uh, is to remind us of the uh, perfume of the, the beauty of the Lord and how it enriches us and gives us that strength. It's used for confirmation, for ordinations, for consecration of bishops, consecration of altars, churches, chalices, any other vessel, the consecration of icons. Uh, the chrism is the most used oil uh, next to the oil of the sick. Uh, because people get, we are anointing often, right? And so, uh, but that chrism has so many purposes, but is so valuable. Mm -hmm. And at that mass, the priests re-consecrate themselves to their promises that they made at their ordination and promises back to their bishop. Hmm. I, I, I think that's awesome. I, I love the chrism mass. I, I think everyone should go to a chrism mass if you've not been to one. Um, it really is powerful, first of all, to see all the priests together. Yeah. Um, and second of all, it's, you know, it's kind of a great way to enter into Holy Week and look at that, you know, there's such power there. I, one of the things I had, when I give like church tours here at, at the church, um, I always have the kids like smell. Yeah, like, like, absolutely. The, 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 and they're like, what do you smell? Like, oh, it's a, it's a floral smell. It's you know, the smell of, of heaven. And and they're like, oh, you know, and there, there's a beauty to their connecting the, making the ordinary extraordinary. Yes. And so, I don't know. I, I think it's a powerful way to enter into Holy Week. It's a wonderful thing. So in our diocese, we usually do it on the Monday of Holy Week. Mm -hmm. uh, traditionally in Rome, it's done on Holy Thursday in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so we, uh, the <clears throat> Holy Father on Thursday in the morning will celebrate that mass with his priests. The priests all receive their oils and go back to their churches. And then once they receive those oils, uh, they, they usually present them at the Holy Thursday Mass of the Lord's Supper. And so you have these wonderful experiences. Um, you know, I think everybody can take a step back and go back to Palm Sunday for a minute. One of the things that is like, uh, um, you know, it's the close essentially of Lent for a lot of people is because you get something at the beginning of Lent with mm -hmm. the ashes mm -hmm. 
and you get something then you keep with you for that whole year afterwards, which are the palms. Mm -hmm. So there's these things that you get to take home with you, like aspects of church that you, you get there. You know, often we come to church, but we don't receive anything to take with us mm -hmm. uh, in a physical sense, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's sometimes I think people like to receive those physical things to really uh, emphasize that being able to have that experience. Right, and those songs, uh, they become the ashes. Exactly. So it's kind of a full circle. What, like, so you went on your pilgrimage. Absolutely. Like, you walked where Jesus walked. I mean, first of all, this, that's amazing. It's I mean, beautiful. So, like, how, how did you kind of prepare yourself going into this? Like, and what, I mean, was it, as, I mean, as I think, as spiritual as, I mean, how was it for you going there? When I first went, because I've been twice now, okay. I went in 2018 and I did not want to go. In all honesty, I did not want to go. I was terrified. I believed everything that the news told me and the television told me. I believed that I was going over there and I was going to die. I believed that, you know, there were just a bunch of infidels, that we were the infidels and we were going to be attacked and killed. That was the complete opposite from the truth. Honestly, it was the best experience, and that's why I went a second time, and I so want to go back again and again and again. I just, I love Israel. There's something so beautiful about it. And the Israelis, they are wonderful people. They're really kind and generous. Um, you know where you shouldn't go? Just like in the United States, there's certain places that you just don't go. Um, but it's such a beautiful place for people to go. Hmm. In that preparation, though, once you get into that understanding that you're with the, you're in the same country as Christ, um, it, it, it does, it changes your whole understanding, especially with a lot of the stories that we hear from scripture. Um, you know, one of the places that we got to go was Caesarea Philippi. Mm -hmm. And if you remember in Caesarea Philippi, that's where Jesus says, who do they, who do you say that I am? Mm -hmm. And it's Peter that gives the confession, you are the Christ, the son of God. Mm -hmm. And that story for some reason always stuck with me since high school. I remember sitting uh, outside the chapel at prep and looking at a card um, on uh, in a bookcase, and that whole gospel passage was there. So every morning as I was re getting ready to go to Mass at prep, I always read that gospel passage. So I, saw, I just, it kind of always this was in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't understand the story until I got to walk in the place where Jesus mm -hmm. was. So it was truly um, an eye-opening experience for me in that sense. I mean, you know, oftentimes as Roman Catholics, we're very, you know, westernized, you know, hierarchy. Yes. We have to remember that Jesus was Eastern. Yes. So like that concept of wisdom and stuff like that, just to be there, I mean, it must have been life changing. I mean, to, yes. to see that aspect of faith, um, especially as we tie it into Holy Week here, how that kind of works. So. Yeah. Yeah. If uh, when you when we get around to Christmas time, we'll talk about, of course, uh, Bethlehem, and I'll completely again for another year destroy your understanding of the nativity scene because it's not what we think of. Um, we all love. Uh, um, uh, Assisi, uh, Saint uh, Francis. Francis of Assisi. We love his image of the nativity scene of um, you know being out in the the wa the wild and the uh, the little stable. Mm -hmm. That's hey, don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. Not it. Don't ruin it yet. He's crushing dreams. Wait till, wait till Christmas. Uh, I'll crush. I'll crush <laughs> those Christmas. dreams again. <laughs> All right. So tell us about the the upper room. Tell us about. So yeah, let's Holy start. Let's, let's start. start with uh, a reading from the gospel. So what we're going to do is I'm going to read a little bit from the gospel, so we can kind of set ourselves, and then we'll talk about the locations. So the first experience that we have is, of course, the upper room, and it says here in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. 
On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the disciples approached Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time draws near. In your house I shall celebrate the Passover with my disciples. The disciples then did as Jesus had ordered and prepared the Passover. So, of course, this is what we celebrate on Holy Thursday, the beginning of Holy Thursday. Mm -hmm. uh, in the evening, we have the celebration of the Lord's Supper. And with that celebration of the Lord's Supper, we reimagine, we bring back to life that celebration that Christ had. When he washed the feet of his disciples, he showed them what it meant to be a servant, a servant leader. We have that experience of the first Eucharist. And so we have this experience but here's the kind of the sad part. We no longer know the exact location of the upper room. So we kind of have to take a look. And looking here at the quick map to Jerusalem, this is such a cool map. Um, and it, it's, it can be difficult to see. But in the upper right corner there, uh, you see where the Temple Mount is. And so Jesse, right about mm -hmm. there is the Temple Mount. And so what we would say is the upper room is bottom left-hand corner down by the Mount of Olives, hmm. right? Uh, the Mount of Olives runs all the way around. Okay. Uh, but you have here, uh, you have Herod's Fortress, which of course we'll go to when Christ is taken before Herod, uh, before Pontius Pilate. And But we're talking about in this lower area here, the upper city. But if we go to this next image, it's kind of, this is an overview uh, uh, up above. And what we're going to see is that Jesus is in the lower left-hand corner here. There's a little square in the bottom left-hand corner that says Last Supper, and it points to this general area. There are a few different locations that are claimed to be the area of the Last Supper, but we don't have the upper room mm -hmm. as it was. Um, but what we do know is, of course, that it, of co it, it happened. It wasn't mm -hmm. just um, an experience of the disciples that were there at that meal, but it is recorded that Jesus went to this one upper room, to this one specific place, and was able to have his last supper. What happens next, we all know, is of course, Jesus says to his disciples to come with him to pray. And so he goes from that upper room, the bottom left-hand corner that's circled, and goes over to the uh, Garden of Gethsemane. And we hear again it from Matthew. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And as he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to feel, feel sorrow and distress. Then he said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and keep watch with me. He advanced a little and fell prostrate in prayer saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. When he returned to his disciples, he found them asleep. He said to Peter, so you could not keep watch with me for one hour. Watch and pray that you may not undergo the test. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Withdrawing a second time, he prayed again. My father, if it is not possible that this cup pass without my drinking it, your will be done. Then he returned once more and found them asleep, for they could not keep their eyes open. He left them and withdrew again and prayed for a third time, saying the same thing again. Then he returned to his disciples and said to them, 
Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Behold, the hour is at hand when the Son of Man is to be handed over to sinners. Let us get up and go. Look, my betrayer is at hand. In the experience of this gospel passage, we enter into the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, we have a very good knowledge of where the Garden of Gethsemane is, and there's this beautiful church. And inside this church, we see it from the outside here, we see up at the top, it's kind of hard to see, but there is the image of the lambs at all the way at the top by the cross. Mm -hmm. And then you, of course, see that the lamb, that God is sitting, uh, God the Father is sitting there at the top of the point, and the Son is down below, and he is crying out to God the Father. But as we enter into this church, it's a dark church. It's very dark in there, and it's designed on purpose. All of the windows are either a dark blue or a purple stained glass. Oh. And even in the middle of the day when the lights are off, it looks like that it's the stars shining oh. at night. And it's to remind us and re make us recall of the experience that Jesus had. And here at the apse, the backmost apse of the church, where the, uh, the chairs are for the priests, there is this image again of Jesus on the stones which are outside this church still. The stones and the trees are outside the church and he's crying out to God. You see Peter and the apostles over to the right asleep and off in the distance to the left. It's hard to see in this picture because you can't see it's the curve of the wall. But in there is where Jesus sees that the uh, his betrayers are coming. And you see all the way up at the top, the angel representing God the Father the messenger of God, hearing the cry of Christ. And we hear that, of course, in the Gospel of John, <clears throat> excuse me, that the angels came to wipe the blood from him as he sweat blood. And so we have that this beautiful image of this church uh, seated here at the Garden of Gethsemane. That, that image always <laughs> strikes me. I remember watching that in The, the Passion. And um, uh, Mel Gibson's Passion. Mm -hmm. And that just, I mean, when he starts sweating blood. Yeah. Uh, that is uh, so powerful. I mean, the the stress that was that he had on his shoulders, and you know that makes I guess anything that I go through kind of trivial, <laughs> but it's like that gives me comfort though too, knowing that I can come before him, like especially at adoration, and stay with him for an hour, and stay with him in the garden. Um, that helps me out a lot when I'm you know praying in, in adoration for an hour and this is the image that comes to mind when I when, when I go to adoration so yeah that helps me it's, it's just a beautiful church I just remember going into that church for the first time ever and thinking wow there's just uh, you can feel it mm -hmm. you know you just you feel different um, and if we can go back over to the images there you can see Hopefully everybody's going to go home and watch this. If you're listening to this, uh, I really hope that you come back and watch this again and see the pictures. You can see on the left there another uh, mosaic of Jesus being handed over. And on the right, you can see some of the windows. Some are white, some are purple, most are purple and blue. Mm -hmm. And it's to remind us of the stars at night. Those trees there you see, those trees are over 2,000 years old. Wow. Those are olive trees that would have been there at the same time as Jesus. So they have, uh, one fell and died, uh, but other than that, the trees that you see in that picture are there from the time of Christ even. So he would have been weeping at those trees. He would have been in that garden with those trees. Oh. So, I mean, it's just, it's fascinating to be able to walk that close. <clears throat> A few other shots of the trees here. 
it's just a beautiful little garden. It really was a garden, you know, mm -hmm. and it was well kept and well tended because um, it. if you could see from the other side, you would see the walls just mm -hmm. right there. Oh, okay. And so that, those are the walls of the city of Jerusalem. It's right outside the walls. It's there. right outside the walls. And these are the original walls. So it was always outside the walls. Mm -hmm. See, when we get into talking <clears throat> about the location of Christ's death and burial, it had to be outside the walls of Jerusalem. Well, it isn't, not today, but it originally was outside the walls of Jerusalem. So, so after he was up at the Mount of Olives, Christ was then taken to uh, the, before the Sanhedrin. And so we hear, those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Peter was following at a distance as far as the high priest's courtyard and going inside, he sat down with the servants to see the outcome. Chief priests and the entire Sanhedrin kept trying to obtain false testimony against Jesus in order to put him to death, but they found none, though many false witnesses came forward. So we have this experience then after Jesus is taken and is put into, uh, he is tried and we hear about how he's questioned. We also hear when Jesus was questioned with before, uh, before Pilate, when it was morning, all the chief priests and the elders uh, took counsel against Jesus, put him to death. They bound him away and led him and handed him to Pilate. So during that time of the night, he was placed in the cistern. And so the image that you see now on the screen is that cistern, the top of the cistern where Jesus was lowered into. And as you go down, you can see the different areas. Those chains straight back are where these prisoners would be chained up oh, in the walls. How cold. Oh. It's horrible. But that's not the worst, because where the one monk is there, he's standing and looking through, that's where the um, army men would stand, where his captors would stand to watch over, because that's where Jesus spent the night. Ugh. And it's dark, and it's damp because it's a former well, right. and it's just a horrible, miserable place to be. And so he was in this horrible dark place and all he could see was through that little hole up above him where he was lowered down on a rope it's it's, it's not a fun place to be and it's it, it, if without the light otherwise it is completely pitch black in there so yeah they didn't have electricity there would have been no artificial light at the time <laughs> no and they didn't give any torches yeah. they didn't give any torches wow it's amazing it truly was amazing to be down there so from there, we hear about how uh, Jesus was taken before Pilate and he was questioned by Pilate. Now Jesus stood before the governor and, and he questioned him, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said no. And when he was accused by the chief priests and elders, he made no answers. Or he, Jesus said, you say so, excuse me. Jesus said, you say so. And when he, when he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, do you not hear how many of the things they are testifying against you? But he did not answer him one word, so that the governor was greatly amazed. And so Jesus then was taken, taken to the place of the crucifixion. And as he walked, and these are just some that, of the... That's through the, how he is, would have walked? Yeah, this is some of the places that he would have walked. Huh. So we're walking now um, through the uh, what is now the Muslim quarter and going back into the Jewish quarter of uh, Jerusalem. And these are just some of the walls that he would have seen, some of the things he would have seen. Now, of course, you see the domes there. That is the, um, that's the church of the uh, uh, scourging. 
And so that wouldn't have been there. Right. The domes are a modern thing. But this here, remember when we hear in the scripture <clears throat> that they cast lots? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was a game. It was a game, uh, a dice game. And it wasn't just like, okay, you cast a lot and you guessed on what it was going to land. <clears throat> it's all about where it landed. It's hard to see in this picture. It's much better when you're in person. Mm -hmm. So when we go there, you'll see it yourself. But this is what they would do is they would carve out in the street. And this is right by one of the areas that they would have done the scourging. And they carve out into the street this game. Hmm. So this isn't the exact one that they were talking about because it, it happened right outside of where Christ was uh, being crucified. But this is the game that they are playing. And that's to fulfill the prophecy from Isaiah. Right. For my vesture, they cast lots. This here, of course, is the outside of the church where that would this have... This is with the, with the scourging. scourging. Oh. Yes, sir. So this is the outside of the church of the scourging. Oh. You see in the dome in the uh, dome of the church, the crown of thorns there. Wow. Yeah. That is a mosaic. That's all uh, tiny, uh, like centimeter by centimeter square pieces of glass or tile put into the ceiling there. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. In the stained glass there, you see him tied to the pillar as he scourged. And so with this, uh, there's a picture of our whole group in the chapel there praying before those images. With this image of Christ carrying his cross and carrying it to the place of his crucifixion, we enter into now what we celebrate on Good Friday mm -hmm. is the way of the cross. Christ carrying his cross from the place of the scourging and going to Golgotha. And when they came to the place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But when he had tasted it, he refused to drink. After they had crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots. <clears throat> they sat down and kept watch over him there. And they placed over his head the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. Two revolutionaries were crucified with him, one on his right and the other on his left. Those passing by reviled him, shaking their head and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the son of God and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders mocked him and said, he saved others. He cannot save himself. So he is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross now, and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he wants him. For I said, uh, for he said, I am the son of God. The revolutionaries who were with him kept also abusing him in the same way. And so we go from Herod's fortress, from the place that he was uh, whipped and scourged. And now we see here one of the new entrances uh, going into the old city of Jerusalem. And this uh, this is from my first trip. Uh, our hotel is behind us. It was kind of an eerie experience because when you go to the Holy Sepulcher for Mass, mm -hmm. which is the location of both mm -hmm. the, uh, the location of the crucifixion and the location of the uh, uh, burial of Christ, mm -hmm. you have to go very early in the morning. It's maintained by three different Christian groups. We have the Orthodox Christians, the Armenian Christians, and the Catholics. Okay. And so we all have ownership over this building. And for centuries, there have been fights over this building and this location uh, to the point where there were fist fights. 
which led to canon law dictating that priests aren't allowed to wear uh, jewelry on the hands because of fighting um, or uh, beards because then you can't pull on the beard. Um, this A lot of bad things happened in this location all because the three of our groups, we all claim ownership of it and we, we fought over it and it really wasn't healthy. And so to this day, all three groups have ownership of it. And as Catholics, we're allowed to have mass in the Holy Sepulchre from four in the morning until eight in the morning. Uh, at eight o'clock, there is a high mass, uh, which just means that the Franciscans who are in charge of all the holy sites in the Holy Land um, for the Catholics, the we, we they have a uh, mass with music and everything. But every other mass is you get 22 minutes to celebrate Mass in there because there's so many groups that want to come in to celebrate Mass. Wow. You just have to keep moving. So we had to get up really early in the morning. Our Mass was at 5 in the morning. So you see here us, we're going to be walking through. There's our group. And it's really warm. It was a beautiful morning. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful morning to be up. And we walked in through the gates. Vince, do you guys, um, your family, do you have traditions for Good Friday? Is there something that you guys kind of do? Or even growing up? <clears throat> um, yeah, so we always say we're going to do things. Like, I'm serious. <laughs> and then yeah, we I usually, you. You, you know how it is when you have lots of young kids. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, we're hoping to maybe do a little bit more this year. That's good. Did you have something growing up? Like did no, you no, unfortunately, we yeah. never really. I, I, I think it's important, especially between the hours of 12 to 3, that we do something. I mean, this here, I mean, I'm, I'm just so moved by these pictures. Uh, that's really, you know, we try to bring that into our homes. Yeah. And, you know, that should be time. There should be no electronics off. No. Yes. Um, there should be, you know, you, <clears throat> maybe even a family rosary or some scripture. I think these traditions are ways that we can uphold the sacredness of, of Good Friday. I think that's so important to mention. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this is, these, uh, this gives me personally, a whole new understanding. And I love going through my pictures mm -hmm. every year during Holy Week because it reminds me again of what it is that we celebrate at the end of the week during the Holy Triduum. You know, yeah. these special moments from Holy Thursday evening all the way through to the resurrection of Christ, these moments, these holy, holy moments. Back into our pictures, of course, there's this picture showing the entrance to the Holy Sepulchre. Uh, and this is just into the courtyard and this is just a little video. It's it, The thing about it is, it, you can't catch it in our video and our audio uh, right now, but it was so eerie. Mm -hmm. Because it was, an, it was a beautiful eeriness. Because there are birds fluttering their wings and yet the whole world is still. Mm. And the noise, it, there's just this beautiful noise that you hear in this courtyard as you enter in, the whole world is silent and yet there is life behind those doors. Mm -hmm. Up through that door on the left is the main door of the Holy Sepulchre, of the Church of the Holy Sepulchre because the Holy Sepulchre is a place in of itself. It's a little church inside of a church. Okay. The stairs there you see us walking up are to go to Golgotha, the mm -hmm. place of the skull. It's, it's, of course, now just taken over by this beautiful, beautiful artwork and the um, candles and the uh, different uh, ways that the different Christian communities worship. And you just see that Christ, of course, is on the cross. 
but you see all these beautiful places and altar. That altar is right above the stone. You see that stone encased in glass. That is what remains of Golgotha. Hmm. And the reason why I say what remains of Golgotha is because the crusaders would come in oh. and they would chip away pieces of it to take it with them. I see. And so we have put a uh, glass barrier and there's a hole underneath that altar. As you can see, you can go under the altar there and stick your hand in and touch the place, wow. touch the stone. It's just, it is, it's, you have to be extremely quiet in there. There is no talking aloud and no flash photography. Okay. It is just beautiful. What you see here is the anointing stone, a uh, depiction of the anointing stone. We hear about how uh, they had to quickly take him down from the cross because it was the day of preparation. Uh, so it was Friday. And they had to anoint him quickly, start the anointing process, but they had to wait till Sunday to finish. And so we see here in this video just a quick mosaic of that anointing stone and all the people who are walking away at the time and just the vast immensity. And this here is the actual anointing stone, they say. Wow. And it's a beautiful, beautiful place. Again, eerily quiet. There's just something amazing well, that's about nice it. because oftentimes you hear about the, the churches in Rome. It's yeah. like, be like museums. Right. So like this is, it's nice to see there's a sacredness still there. There's something so holy about it that you're forced to be quiet. Mm -hmm. you, you can't talk. It's not, it's not that you want to and you're being told not to. You just cannot speak mm -hmm. because of the power of the mm -hmm. place. And then, of course, we get to the actual holy sepulcher. Mm -hmm. This is the place where Jesus was buried. When it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who was himself a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered it to be handed over. Taking the body, Joseph wrapped it in a clean linen and laid it in the new tomb that he had hewn in the rock. Then he rolled a huge stone across the entrance to the tomb and departed. But Mary Magdalene and the other Mary remained sitting there facing the tomb. And so this place here, this church here, is the Holy Sepulchre. This is a church inside of a church. Within these walls is the tomb. As I said, the as they came through, as the crusaders came through, they chiseled away little by little. And so the actual place that you would walk into doesn't exist anymore. But we've rebuilt it in this tiny little church. I had the opportunity to be a main consulvent at the Mass inside of this. And it was just a beautiful uh, experience. I know I keep saying the word beautiful, but that's really the only word I can say to describe it. You know, there's just something so uh, amazing about it. Hmm. All the, you have the Easter candles, uh, which of course now are controlled by light bulbs, but hmm. you have the uh, Paschal candles, you have the Catholic, you have the Orthodox, and you have the Armenians. And so inside of that door is the chamber where you would have done your anointing. Mm -hmm. And then beyond that, you can see that's the inside chamber. And beyond that, deeper, it's hard to see, but you see those heads in the back there. That's where the Christ actually was. Wow. It's just an absolutely amazing experience. Right now, the Franciscans are going in to kick out the group that's in there because our group was trying to get in next to celebrate mass. And like I said, uh, it was it was tight in there. Yeah. 
you can see that this is such a small room, but this is the outer chamber where we celebrated mass. And in this outer chamber where we celebrated mass, we had uh, 30 people. And then when you are seeing the gentleman bow down to go in, you have to crawl in to the wow. Holy Sepulcher where he is laid. And this is the altar. This is the altar that is above the area where Christ was laid that we believe. And so that there, that slab is where we believe that Christ was laid in the tomb. Wow. On the left, of course, you see myself and another priest. Uh, we were the main concelebrants. There were three of us, four of us as main concelebrants at the tomb that morning. And so that is our little experience now of the end of our Lenten journey. We've gone through the 40 some days of Lent. We've gone through the celebration of the Holy Triduum. And now we are waiting for the Lord to rise, rise from the dead. And he promised us from the very beginning that he would be going to his death, that he would have to suffer and die. We hear about it back again at the uh, site of when Christ asks, well, who do people say that I am? And what does Peter do? He reviles the Lord and he says to him, no, Lord, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. that that's not how this is going to work out. And yet that is exactly how it worked out. And so we now wait quietly for him to come back. And he promised us. He promised us that he'd have to go before us. And now he promises us that he would come again. And he does, he, he did rise from the dead. He is alive. He is present with us. And so this Lenten pilgrimage that we did over 40 days really helps me through the pictures and through the memories of going to Israel, just some of the beauty of it all. First of all, thank you for sharing this with us. This is very powerful. Um, I think as Catholics, it's something we need to talk about, just the idea of pilgrimage. Um, and maybe that's a, just a pilgrimage to spending Holy Week in your parish, trying to yes. go, go to, you know, Holy Thursday and Good Friday and go those services. Um, but I mean, honestly, how, from your experiences here, how important is pilgrimage to the, the Christian life? Absolutely. You know, when we go on pilgrimage, the experiences that we get when we are in the actual location, the physical location where some of these things happened, when we go to the place where Christ was born, and we kiss the stone where he was born. When we go to the place where he was crucified and we touch that stone, there, there's, it makes it real, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, especially for us men, we, we are physical creatures. We yeah. want to touch things. We want to feel things. There's a lot of people that are like that. And I think that that just helps reinforce to us believers to what is the truth. Right. And I, I think that a lot of people can go to these places and not be moved by it. But that speaks more about our lack of faith than it does about the truth of what's in that place. And so, you know, Christ was, is, and always will be because that's what we believe. And so being able to walk in his footsteps, I think, changes for me on a personal experience, but also I think for others, it changes our understanding of who he was, is, and is to cut be. Yeah. And it's from the bottom of our hearts here at the podcast, we wish you and your family a happy Easter. Um, 
and uh, enjoy your loved ones during this time. Um, and hopefully, you know, we can keep growing holier from this season of Lent every day. Um, that's the purpose of it. Vince, any last words? Any wise words? Yeah, I, um, I did want to say something. Um, <clears throat> if you haven't already subscribed <laughs> to the podcast. Of course. <laughs> Can't use my voice. I thought it was going to be something like <laughs> spiritual and moving. Like this was a really longer, much longer podcast no. and more spiritual. But Father Andy, thank you very much for sharing that. That was the first time I actually got to sit down and actually go through that. Yeah. Um, uh, you, when the pandemic first hit back in 2020, you had started. You did a live stream, and I yeah. tuned in like at the last at the last minute, and then I get a chance to see the whole thing. But like I was, it's very moving. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very easy to have this like preconceived like idea in your head of how everything went and it might even be like depending on how you were raised like if it was veggie tales or whatever it might sound a little it might be a little cartoonish might be a right. little like but like when you when you see those pictures and you know when you've experienced what you just like if you've been there yeah like actually seeing that presentation you put together very very nicely um it made it kind of get rid of those preconceived notions and like this is the reality of it mm. and christ suffered and died <clears throat> for you yeah and it was painful and it wasn't easy and it's easy to think like, and it's not you, like, oh, yeah, somebody else got hurt and they died, whatever. But like whenever that kind of brings it closer to home. Yeah. And it, it makes it really kind of helps you focus on like this was a real sacrifice. This wasn't just like a just a fun thing that happened or something that just it needed to happen. But it, and it was real. It was very real. And it helps you connect with that, I think. So no, thank you very much. Absolutely. But anyway, back to the important part. Uh, if you haven't already subscribed <laughs> to the podcast, make sure that you uh, yeah, that you do so. And um, if you listen to this whole thing on the audio version only and you're wondering what the heck I didn't, what the heck were they talking about, I didn't get to see the visuals, you'll be able to see those on our YouTube channel. So head on over to Encounter Mercy on YouTube. Subscribe to us there and take a look at uh, watch this video so you can actually see the visuals and the, the, the pictures that we were talking about really are moving and they and they really help um, tell that story. So um, that's, that's pretty much it. But uh, everybody, thank you so much and have a very happy Easter. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks. <laughs>